Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Big shout to Willie P as well. Taking over for Charlotte Sports today as Jeff Rickard has the day off. So Willie P filling in. I tried to get Willie P to stick around a little bit at some point in the next hour. Maybe do some Second Take Tuesday stuff. One of the OGs of the Second Take Tuesday segment. Going over some of the impact plays. We're still going to do that. I thought it might be fun to have Willie P in, but Fiddy didn't seem like Willie wanted to hang out with us much longer. Seems like he was trying to get out as soon as he possibly could. Yeah, no, he was dodging us uh, like, you know, Missouri dodged Kansas on the basketball court the other day. And it's just really, <laughs> you know, disappointed in our guy. We gave him a platform to come on here and still talk about the Panthers and. He'd rather go home. He and, didn't want to do it. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. And I think there was some kind of, of problem with him, with you. He said he used to love you, but it's not so true anymore. Seriously? Are you guys okay? Do you guys still have a love for one another? Or is it exactly like Willie P said and said you guys have, are kind of drifting apart? No, I mean, I hope so. Like, we're talking about starting a podcast together and stuff. So, okay. you know, it, it's got to be all love if we're going to do that. There's got to be a, a, a trust in the relationship for that to happen. If not... I'll have to find me a new co-host to come on and talk about the Mets with as opposed to William Eugene Palacio. Wes, do you want to talk about some baseball with Fiddy on a podcast? Yeah, man, I'm down. America's pastime. Yeah, with the novice. That that would, Fiddy and the novice. That that would turn into something completely different than baseball, though. It would be a baseball podcast that doesn't talk about baseball at all. Well, I was getting some good baseball uh, insight this morning. I was enjoying it. Like I said, I may not be a diehard fan, but I still know. I know all. West sees all. What's the insight that you got? Well, just uh, listening to you know analysis about what's been going on during the hot stove mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I you know I know what's going on for the most part. I'm just not gonna be sitting there, you know. I'm I'm not Peter Gammons. <laughs> no, Peter, yes. An OG baseball analyst is Peter Gammons. No, I probably you probably aren't that, but to also be fair, a Tar Heel. nobody is. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is crazy. You know, you forget wow. about that. Peter Gammons is I a used Tar to call Heel. my friend, my buddy, uh well, my best friend, he's a big uh baseball guy. I used to call him Black Gammons. <laughs> just just because he was black and a baseball enthusiast? And we loved Peter Gammons and, you know, the nostalgia from when I was a kid. He was the baseball guy for ESPN, mm-hmm. so I used to always get his reports. So I, you know, just being silly, I used to call him Black Gammons. You can be that on a podcast with Fiddy. You can be the Black Gammons, yep, Wes. Get me you, right. If you want to. You don't have to be a novice anymore. You so can I'm learning about on. war and all that, so you didn't think I knew that. Absolutely, war. yes. We can talk about war. We can talk, as Zach Lowe <laughs> says, Vorps and Schnorps and all the advanced stats yeah. that are in basketball and baseball. 
Ball. We can talk all about that stuff. We won't be doing that today for the next three hours. It is Second Take Tuesday. We'll go over the impact plays on offense and defense, some plays that stick out to everybody's mind, somewhere you dig a little deeper, and those plays had a huge impact on how the outcome would go about. Also, um, we'll talk about the passing of Mike Leach. That news just came in within the last 24 hours. Really sad to see Mike Leach pass away, one of the better offensive minds in college football history. Honestly, if you look at what he was able to do through some air raid offenses, unbelievable the way that he was able to coach some of these quarterbacks so much success from passers whether it be at washington state whether it be at texas tech whether it be at mississippi state unbelievable so we'll talk about that um mike leach and his impact on college uh football and the charlotte hornets we're going to get to them as well a couple days off for the charlotte hornets but they'll be playing i believe tomorrow night so they'll be back in action hopefully they can find themselves back in the win column we're prepared we got our bags packed it's time now to get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it! Let's go with Second Take Tuesday. Steve Wilkes will lead us off here discussing Sam Darnold and how good of a job he felt that his quarterback did against Seattle. The one important thing that we talk about all the time is not turning the ball over. And in the last two weeks, we haven't done that offensively. So that's always critical when you feel like you can play good defense and, you know, be solid in a kicking game. You don't want to turn the ball over. So that's one of the things that I praise him on the last couple of weeks, not being able to do that. And you also saw yesterday his ability, his athletic ability to be able to win with his feet. You know, to be quite honest, I wish he would have taken a little bit more opportunities when those lanes open up to really run and get the first down because he does have a skill set in doing that. couple things. One, They have not had any quarterback do that outside of Sam Darnold. P.J. Walker has the ability to run. He is an athletic guy, and that's something that I'd always kind of talked about this season. I thought P.J. had plenty of opportunities to take off and run, but never did. Didn't have multiple rushes in any of these games that you really saw him play. I think the last one maybe he took off two or three times. But Sam Darnold, even going back to his most successful run at the beginning of last season, he would take off. We had all of the Sam Newton jokes, all of the Cam Darnold jokes, and it showed up again against Seattle. My theme when going over the film for this game against Seattle, West, is that there were plenty of times where Carolina could have let Seattle back in the game. Mm -hmm. And there were plenty of times where Carolina could have not capitalized in very easy situations and the inevitable... Carolina collapse could have happened and they didn't let it. They finished defense. They finished in the second half, the offense, and they weren't even perfect, right? Like the fact that this was not a perfect game plan or perfect execution for Carolina, and they still won on the road against a playoff contender like they did. It makes me feel all that much better about this team going forward, especially when you're talking about Tampa Bay being their main competitor in the NFC South, because they haven't looked good all year. I think my main takeaway when going over the film is the fact that they did not let it get out of hand despite there being multiple opportunities and they finished the football game. Yeah, no doubt. And they, you know, it's just the mentality of that team. I felt like they came in with the role warrior mentality. I think that Coach Wilkes did a good job of challenging him, challenging them, saying that, hey, you know, we get the job done at home, but we need to go win a tough road game. And 
uh, Seattle's a place that you can definitely get up for with that crowd, that environment. As I said, you had a playoff opponent and things still out there within their reach. So I think it was a perfect storm for the Panthers to come in there with the right mindset, and they did, and Seattle helped them out a lot, you know, with the miscues and the turnovers, and they just looked out of sync, not trying to take away from the Panthers' win. But, you know, you saw when Geno threw the one pick, he thought it was a free play, and, you know, they just looked very uncharacteristic as well. So I think it was just a perfect storm for a Panthers win. Yeah, and Sam Darnold never looked flustered. We've seen happy feet Sam Darnold panic and then throw the football to the other team. We saw that quite a bit last year. But a better offensive line, better game plan, seems like a lot more preparation going into this game against Seattle. Yeah, not a great defense. Seattle's defense had been declining big time as the year had gone on. But they took advantage of that. They did run all over And protected the football. And that was the most important thing that we talked about. Only one play did we see Sam try to force something that was with the chess pass but it was on fourth down and so I do understand the argument on the other side okay at least you try to make something happen no you got to be impressed with Sam Darnold playing within the confines of the offense and not losing the football game I do want to talk about this and we'll get to more on Mike Leach in the campus corner but certainly thoughts with the entire Leach family anybody that is affected by the loss of one Mike Leach and honestly feels like we've been giving our ode to people that have passed away way too frequently on this show, only in really a month of existence. I really hope it stops because we're losing a lot of great ones in the sports world. But Mike Leach, and I'll, and I'll get to this a little bit more in the campus corner, just trying to set the scene. Wes, if you go back and look at the impact he had on college offense, where you're discussing so many different QBs that are in the top 10 for total yards, total touchdowns, maybe they don't win the Heisman Trophy because the team records weren't quite good enough when you're talking about playoff teams or champions, but unbelievable Star Wars ridiculous galaxy type numbers for these QBs and you know what it's not even as the game was adapting it was before the game adapted it was before we saw so much of this air raid offense remember Texas Tech Graham Harrell Michael Crabtree that wasn't in this new pass-happy age of offense. That was when Mike Leach was still at the forefront bringing those types of QBs. And so the fact that we've joked about it this week and at the end of last week, are you an offensive genius? Are you an innovator? Man, Mike Leach, <laughs> you talk about an innovator. That dude put up crazy numbers on that side of the ball. That he was. And, you know, he was at places where people got dubbed as system players because they weren't pedigree programs. And so you look back and when he was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky uh, under Hal Mummy, and that was when you really saw that innovation come in with that air raid offense. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school coming up, they wanted uh, my quarterback a lot because he fit that kind of that style, that drop back passer. And so... What, you're saying Mike Leach recruited a a teammate that you played with? He did not recruit, but he was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky under Mummy and that regime that took Tim Couch to to the number one overall pick. And so you look at what he did at the Texas Techs and at the Mississippi States and even at Kentucky, you know, these places guys will start getting dubbed when you talked about Heisman Trophy winners and stuff like that. Guys will get dubbed system quarterbacks because they were dropping back throwing the thing 50, 55 times a game. And especially in the early 2000s, that was unheard of. 
Well, so, true jing. Yeah, it, Mike Lee. No, and it's crazy. And and I did this when I was going with the whole Drake May Heisman case. When you started to go down the list, there were so many Mike Leach guys. Wes, when I was making the case for May, I had a caveat of non-Mike Leach guys to account for the most amount of yards. I mean, he created a whole caveat when you're talking about the top ten quarterbacks to amass a certain amount of yards. And so we could talk about Mike Leach not only on the field but also off of it. A great quote. We'll get to him in just a moment too. Let's talk a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets as well. Can they climb up the standings? They're not going to be in action tonight. They will be playing again tomorrow. It's a lot more tough to try to find the positives when it when it regards the present. We can look at Bryce McGowan's awesome stuff recently. We can look at Kai Jones. Still needs to figure out really how to play basketball. But, man, some of the wild plays are crazy. The pickpocket on the perimeter against New York, where then he goes to his left and slams with his right hand. That's the type of potential where you see, oh, yeah, this guy could be crazy special if he puts it all together. But that's in the distant future. Right now, you just need guys back. The Hornets continue to lose. And I felt a different type of demeanor from Steve Clifford after that New York Knicks game where he says the message is still to emphasize we can win if we rebound defensively, if we get back on transition defense and limit some of the ways our lack of scoring could hurt us. But at the end of the day, even Steve Clifford knows, Wes, they need guys back desperately. And that's up to LaMelo Ball at this point and who knows about Gordon Hayward well you look at it us just as radio guys talking about it it's like how many different ways can we talk about this thing you know with the way that they're playing the losses keep coming the same uh things that are ailing them keep coming up so you know if we are fatigued trying to come up with different ways to talk about this thing you know the coach who sees them every day they're still delivering the same message game after game after game you know it has to start wearing on him as well Hopefully they can get healthy and get some guys back. As you talked about, Kai Jones, he's providing the fun for this team right now, the wow factor. Mm-hmm. But as far as just hardcore substance getting victories, you know, it's just the same old story each and every game. And to be fair, we do have to try to emphasize the few and far between fun parts. They're there. Kai Jones, Bryce McGowan's, they'll bring you some of that. But it is few and far between. Losing's not fun. And knowing that your team is going to be the underdog going into some of these games, it's not fun. Hopefully we can get back to some brand of fun basketball when you have some scores. LaMelo was walking fun at the point guard spot. So him coming back is going to help erase a lot of those issues. We just need him back sooner rather than later, especially if you're hoping to get a play-in spot. Let's move on to second take Tuesday. We'll look at the impact plays on offense coming up next. It's Weston Walker off and rolling sports radio 92.7 WFNZ. Watching ESPN right now after the Cardinals lost to the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. We just saw Cliff Kingsbury speak. And Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's aged quite oh, a bit since goodness. taking that he job. He went from in the, the heartthrob on his first <laughs> press conference. All the women wanted him, and then I saw him just now. I said, "Good lord, he looks like Cliff Kingsbury's drunker older brother." Fitty, since Nick Wilson left these airwaves, you have pretty much been the authority on what is charming and what is chotch. To reference a segment on that show, yeah, <laughs> I feel like one of the more chotch photos of all time 
is Cliff Kingsbury, the photo. And I actually think part of it's awesome, but also we can go with it not being the most becoming. Yeah, Fiddy's about to die. Pray, <laughs> pray for Fiddy today because he's playing a little wounded. He is. He is. But, a dynamic producer. But you guys know that photo of Cliff Kingsbury, I think right before the draft, where he's in his living room. I think it's in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. But it shows this basically window wall that leads out to this really insane yard where there's the fire pit extremely modern he's watching a huge tv and he it's just a photo of him not looking at the camera watching tv but in this beautiful extravagant house i feel like that's one of the more chach photos i've ever seen is that fair to say mr authority oh oh yeah most definitely <laughs> mainly because like cliff kingsbury and i want him to be fired so he can be my play caller in chapel hill mm-hmm. the dude's a chach <laughs> like like this guy this guy has mastered the ability of failing up. He's yes. never really won and done anything. Well, the the hire to the NFL is the most egregious of that, right? Like the the fact that you did not have a winning record, although the offenses were productive, you still weren't winning and he gets an NFL job. Really Kyler Murray carrying a lot of the weight there, but you're totally right. The fact that he got that job was always questionable from a win-loss standpoint. It is one of the most maddening hires I could remember. I was just like, I mean, I felt like as a college coach, you should be a dominant college coach to get the call up to the NFL. And then when he got the job, you know, with the losing record or, or barely, you know, just mediocrity, it was privilege at its fine. I mean, good Lord. I, Oh, it just makes me mad just talking about it. The fact that, and then when he got <laughs> Kyler Murray, I like Kyler Murray. I wanted him to do well, but I was mm-hmm. definitely rooting for Cliff Kingsbury to fail because I was like, man, this guy has no business being in that seat. Speaking of Kyler Murray, if you go to ESPN's homepage, one of the top headlines, it's the fact that it does look like Murray has a torn ACL. Little doubt, quote unquote, a source says about yeah, that. Was rough last night. Tough, to tough to see that. And Kyler Murray, not been the number one overall pick worthy at this point. Still yeah. some nice things that you're kind of hoping everything else comes along. The consistency comes along two years in a row where he got off to a great start. And then it started to fizzle after the fire, if you will, Mr. West Bryan. <laughs> but Kyler Murray, just not going well for him. And hopefully he can get back sooner rather than later from this ACL injury yeah. that it appears he suffered last night. You can text in to the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh. At 704-570-9610. Do want to get to a few that have already come in. Simon says he mentioned Sam Darnold and his running habits. He said, I counted a few times when Sam could have run and did not. Certainly, I think you could see a few times Sam Darnold could have taken off with it, but instead wanted to throw the football downfield. That was always my problem with P.J. Walker, too. Sam will run more than P.J., I didn't mind Baker not running, but there's just not a, you know, cool. Like you go ahead and throw it. But PJ and Sam, I feel like in a couple of different plays could have run it. And Sam did not against Seattle. But the big part is that they actually got the win. Um, Big Cat Dan wrote that that photo from Cliff Kingsbury. Now nah, that was a flex. That was actually charming. So there you go. Um, talking about uh Cliff Kingsbury from Big Cat Dan. You can, again, text us at 704-570-9610. Second Take Tuesday, something that's become a staple of Wes and Walker. We'll take a look at some of the impact plays. We'll start with the offensive side of the football. Wes, what play would you like to go to first when talking about Second Take Tuesday? Well, the first play I would talk about, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but around the four-minute mark of the first quarter, LaVisca Chenault, uh, nine yard gain but to me that 
said more than just getting a first down as he delivered a physical blow on his way to the ground, then getting up, talking trash. You could see the bench was ignited by what he had done. And that, in my mind, said at this juncture in this game, it looks like the Panthers won it more. They look like the more confident team. They look like the more physical football team because, to me, nothing gets a team going more early in the game. Of course, a a long touchdown and all that is fine. But when you do something physically demoralizing to the other team, i.e. finishing a run by punishing their defender or, you know, absolutely getting a monstrous hit on uh, the opponent – That just puts a mentality in the entire team that we're here. We're here to play. You better be ready because we are. And to me, that's what that play said. When I said that, I said, okay, the Panthers are ready to play today. And Seattle looks back on their heels already. I think you could experiment a little more with LaVisca Chenault's role. But overall, I think you give a lot of credit to this coaching staff for how they've used LaVisca Chenault. And there are a couple of other plays, by the way. I'm going to give him another shout. Not only did LaVisca do a good job when he had the football in his hands it was blocking out there against the seattle seahawks and i've got to play on the second take tuesday offensive edition i'm going to get to in just a moment that first series though wes ben mcadoo caught some flack for throwing the football four straight times in a goal to go situation and doing that in the red zone especially with this team's identity questionable at best egregiously awful at worst here's steve wilkes talking about sam darnold um excuse me here's steve wilkes talking about throwing the ball four times with sam rather than running in that situation we have constant communication even throughout the game right there mike in and uh, on the headsets i think sam may alluded to this last night if i recall that a lot of those were two of them for sure were rpos sam elected right there based off the look that he saw he wanted to be able to throw the ball so i don't question the calls down there and sam would tell you this he had an opportunity on another one to be able to run it in for a touchdown so we were able to do what we wanted to do in the end which is win the game and that particular sequence i don't question at all one I love Steve Wilkes' answer, not throwing anybody under the bus, unlike Matt Rule would do with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. (laughs) Okay, great answer there. Having zero questions, even if I'm not exactly sure how true that is, but he's not giving you any doubt about that in the public eye. He's not going to throw Ben McAdoo under the bus. I still think Ben McAdoo deserves a little responsibility for that, despite it being an RPO, despite him saying Sam Darnold could have run it in. This team is built off of physical running game. So just go ahead and explore that at least on the first two downs, at least the first down, right? Don't give Sam an option. Just run the football with Deontay Foreman. See how much you can pick up. Odds are with this offensive line, you could probably pick that up. But I digress. So in that moment, we wanted him to run it. Wes, earlier in this game, I wanted him to throw the football. And one time he made me look stupid. The other time, I think I was proven right. How about on the first series for Carolina? Third and 10 with 1330 left in the first quarter. So right out of the gate, Chuba Hubbard ran for 12 yards on a third and 10 play call. And he picks up 12 yards to get the first down for Carolina and have them continue driving. Now, the problem is they tried that third and eight run with Chuba and they only got two yards. So they settled for a field goal rather than a touchdown. But at least they got to an opportunity where they could kick that field goal. Third and 10, Wes, I mean, 
damn near zero out of 100 times am I ever calling a run play. But Ben McAdoo did. He picked up the first down, and at least they were able to get a field goal on the board to start the game. I thought that set the tone, too, alongside LaVisca Chenault. So, yeah, better play call, I guess, because it worked after the fact for Ben McAdoo. What's your second offensive play? My second offensive play, actually, uh, a little obvious, but I'm going to go to the intangible Mm. of the Chuba Hubbard touchdown. Um, to me, coming off of the heels of what we talked about with LaVisca Chenault and what they had established at that point, just the way Chuba fought for that touchdown. And I'm not normally a proponent of guys sticking the ball out. Neither was Matt But Rowe. just the right. way that he went up, all of that contact, that was a violent touchdown run. And him sticking that ball over, that was just another indicator to me that it just probably wasn't going to be Seattle's day because the Panthers were playing extremely urgent football and you know some fans you know they look at different things and you're looking for signs to see if your team is ready to go and like I said coming off of the heels of that LaVisca physicality then you get a physical violent touchdown run from Chuba and he's sticking that ball over and that's just fighting scratching clawing all of the words you want to use right there I thought that was another play that just kind of let me know that Seattle was going to have to up the intensity if they were going to try to compete with the Panthers on that day. Yeah, I think this game showcased more of how physical this football team is than even other football games. That also showed that. It just was interesting to see the overwhelming takeaway from the fan base, from media members, from us here on WFNZ. You can see that this team is not to be trifled with. Like They're they're down for all of the Well, let me say this. Now, even though I do talk about how I thought the, the game plan was vanilla and the running game and just how sustainable it may be, but don't get it twisted. When you are a running football team, that is a mentality. And mm-hmm. it goes through your whole team from top to bottom. Guys have a mentality of, of physicality, sorry, but violence, toughness. So, yes, that does permeate through your team. Like, it's hard to just punish a team that's a, a running physical football team. Well, and Wes, I mean, yes, the, the goal-to-go series is evidence of this, too. But it's not like they abandoned the pass. Mm-hmm. They mix it in. 24 attempts. Not 30. 24 attempts is totally fine, especially when you're playing with the lead. They were playing with the lead right from the get-go. Ain't no reason to throw it 35 times. 24 times is not abandoning it. Running that play action is really nice. The game plan was solid, man. That's why you can feel good about this coaching staff as it stands currently. We'll see if there's any changes, not only to the head coach, but certainly on the staff elsewhere. My second play I want to point to, first and 10, second series, I believe, for Carolina. Shai Smith caught that pass from Sam Donald for 13 yards. So going to a more obvious play when Shai Smith caught that touchdown pass. I'm going to cheat a little, though, because it's not just that play. I wanted to go with this four-play sequence, okay? So here's what happened to allow Carolina to get out to a fantastic start. Carolina scores a field goal. Eddie Pinheiro scores on the first series of the game, right? So field goal for Carolina. The next play is the kickoff. The next play is a Geno Smith interception. J.C. Horn comes up with that first pick of the day, sets them up for a 13-yard out scenario. The next play is Shai Smith scoring a touchdown. Four plays, bang, 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 bang. Eddie P, kickoff, Gino INT, Shai Smith touchdown. What? 
it's all a blur. I feel like Krusty Krab and the SpongeBob meme kind of going back and forth because everything happened so fast. All of a sudden, you see Carolina off to a 10-0 start. Sam Darnold kept crediting the fast start as to why they felt so comfortable that they could win this football game. And that four-play sequence, a huge reason why. And Shai Smith getting that touchdown was a pretty big deal. Ginormous. It When you come into a place like Seattle, not that I will have experience doing so, but when you come into a place like that, you definitely want good omens early on in the game. You want, obviously, you want to take the crowd out. But there's a there's a slight nervousness there to where you don't want to do anything to set that crowd off. You don't want to do anything to get that team going and get their momentum going. And so for the Panthers, you know, when you're able to come in and get a quick start like that, it just affirms everything that the team is thinking. And you know what? As we kind of talk about this, maybe not vanilla play calling, but a more run heavy (laughs) offense. But that throw was on first down. I mean, they caught Seattle trying to play the run. And that very first play, as soon as you got that turnover, was a throw. And it went for a touchdown to be able to be more explosive. You just keep experiencing one high after another as a Carolina Panther fan for that four-play sequence. So I thought that was a good play call from Ben McAdoo. Well, sometimes vanilla ice cream is good, though. It is. I mean, it's not right. get it twisted. Yeah, you know I mean, I feel like they're putting some chocolate <laughs> sauce on this vanilla play call. Yeah, I mean, because even in my notes, if you look through them as I'm going through the game, I had in the first quarter, boy, the Panthers play basic football. As I was just putting <laughs> just general thoughts because I was just watching that game plan, and I said, you know, it's a – at the end of the day, it's fundamental football. That's what, and, and when I say vanilla, some people take that maybe as an insult, but it's fundamental football. Maybe I'll put it that way to, to wrap it up in a nice package for you. They, they play fundamental football. That was a good game. Big Cat Dan called me out on phrasing saying, it sounds like you're saying the four-play sequence, F-O-R-E, play sequence. Well, we know what his mind And is. then I said, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I <laughs> so, thought, you think you sure that's not coming from Fiddy? Uh, it, it, do you have your alter ego text line, Fiddy, as Big Cat Dan? Yeah, the burner. Is your burner cooking? No, I have different burner accounts that do exist. Okay. Uh, so that that was not me. Um, I, I am starting to rub off, though, on Walker. He's starting to be more sexual on the air, and I like that. <laughs> I believe, and I you believe like Fiddy, I believe Fiddy about the uh, the burn accounts, too, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I yeah. didn't question it. There's a you reason we, we're not shocked yeah. at hearing him have a couple of those burner accounts. All right, last one. What you got for us? Uh, I think, you know, when you go to the final drive, I think that's when the offensive line started to take over this football game. Because at this point, Seattle knows okay, we need to get back in this game, but we know this is a team that wants to run the football. There was nothing that they could do about it. I'm going to do like you and cheat and do two plays. Okay. But at 934, the first and 10 mark, Blackshear broke the big run, and I said at that point, I said Seattle's starting to wear down. I said yep. they don't want any more to smoke. And then at 615, first and 10, Foreman had a nice run. And at that point, I felt like now they're really salting this game away with those runs, that offensive line, those guys didn't want to hit anymore, especially Big Foreman coming through at 225-plus. They didn't want that. And then Chuba coming through with the quick twitch, the, the choo-choo-choo. <laughs> what did he come with? He said choo-choo-choo. Okay, so you brought up Blackshear. My last play includes him as well, except and a different too. play. Yeah, when you're going with Blackshear, I'm going into the first quarter. All three plays, really setting the tone for Carolina. Yeah. All three plays I chose today come from the first quarter second and eight at the Carolina 40 Sam Darnold going through his progressions 
finally just decides to dump it down to Blackshear. But Blackshear able to pick up 17 yards on that little screen pass. And you know why? Not only did Blackshear do a good job of reading his block, the block came from LaVisca Chenault. If you go back and watch that play, LaVisca had his man locked up. So Blackshear, instead of cutting it inside to where more of the traffic was, he goes out. I didn't see a big alley real time on the outside close to that sideline, but he found it. And then he's able to pick up the first down and even more. LaVisca, man, eight... Look, it's not like you're going to look at his stats at the end of the season and say, wow, what a great pickup for Carolina. Because ultimately, I don't even think still he's the second offensive option on this team. I think it's probably DJ Moore. Maybe he's starting to become that. Maybe they just don't have a second option on this team in the passing game. But the way that LaVisca has put his fingerprints on some of the plays that they've been successful with, can't say enough about him. The block. The yards he was able to pick up after contact, where he's able to turn negative plays into positive plays, too. Yeah, just really pleased with his game. So that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday Offensive Edition. Maybe we can get to some leftovers in the Second Take Tuesday Defensive Edition. That'll be coming up at 120. We'll also talk about the Hornets, what we took away from their weekend, and we'll visit the campus corner in just a moment. Of course, all of that has to wait because we need the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, guys, last night it was Monday night football in the desert, and the Patriots kept their playoff hopes alive with a 27-13 win over Arizona. But the biggest storyline coming out of the game was the injury that Kyler Murray suffered. There is little doubt as of right now that he has a torn ACL. But, Walker, I know you were watching this game live. What, what did you make of the injury, and what does the potential absence of Kyler Murray mean for this Arizona team going down the rest of the way. You know, this is one of those moments where I actually think they're going to be okay with Colt McCoy. He's not awful. He's not Kyler Murray, though, and it really does hurt the Cardinals situation. I do wonder, as we talk about the chances of Cliff Kingsbury being fired, I wonder if there is some kind of quote-unquote excuse for him to keep his job, especially if things continue to falter for them down the stretch, because his excuse would be that I don't have my starting quarterback. Now, you could look at the time when Kyler Murray was playing, and maybe that would be enough justification to let go, but it'll be interesting to see just the future for the Cardinals going forward, because there's all sorts of different things at play there. He's improved every year he's been the head coach, except for this season. He did have a playoff appearance pretty early on in his tenure, yet the offense does feel weird. There's lots of four wide receiver sets, and he just kind of re refuses to have a lot of these guys go 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. The Rondale Moore usage has always been weird. So, yeah, there's certainly a few things you can question from him as a head coach and play caller. No doubt. And also, you know, Kyler Murray barking on him on the sidelines like he is just a, a, a peon in the world of Kyler Murray. But I swooped in and out on this game like a like an eagle going down and get some fish you know what i'm saying i came in every night again <laughs> and i just happened to come and sit down right after the kyler murray thing happened and uh, i saw him on the cart and i said oh man and i said what happened and so i rewinded it back to see and so uh yeah this this arizona team that i kept thinking was going to be a real problem with some of the draft picks that they would get and with kyler murray and and as much as he can cause trouble on a play-by-play -play basis so um but king's bay his tenure i think it's about time for it to be up i think it's time for him to get out of there he's he's milked the 
milk the cow enough. Let's yeah. Get him on out of here. I, I do want to go to a few text lines, uh, a few texts here on the text line real quickly. CJ said he thought the TMJ catch was huge. We can get to that as well because the fact that we haven't talked about that is crazy. He caught it with his legs, but he thought that was huge. Not only did it keep the drive going, but Seattle lost a timeout and a challenge. So a great point, too, talking mm. about some of the effects of that catch. A 704 number wrote in more eight linemen sets. How about Cade Mays coming in and getting some <laughs> playing time for the Arby's package? We need to talk a little bit more about Arby's. Our show, absolutely, should be talking about the Arby's package. And we'll continue to go with some interesting concepts here throughout Wes and Walker. We'll visit the Campus Corner coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. quarterback has the ball fades back there's the throw it's long looks to the 40 the 30 there's the catch by the 32 he's going for it it's a touchdown time for you to score big with a new career at price brothers plumbers are in high demand and your new well-paying career is just a call away paid training paid time off production incentives 401k with a match all new construction a great team and a great opportunity awaits score today at pbiapply.com that's pbiapply.com Join the winning team, Price Brothers Plumbing. Skip the hassle of constant cleaning and all the costly repairs this holiday season and sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Mark Spain Real Estate. Hey folks, this is Steve Smith Sr. here. Just go to MarkSpain.com to get a guaranteed offer or your home and skip the hassle of constant cleaning and costly home repairs. Their offers are the strongest in the industry. You can sell your home stress-free and make the most money. There are no showings, no open houses, and no stress. The guaranteed offer keeps you in control. One of their clients, Rose, said... Mark Spain Real Estate walked me through the entire process with compassion and professionalism. I had high expectation and was very skeptical, but I'm living proof they do have the strongest offers. Mark Spain has been in the business for nearly 30 years and have served over 44,000 satisfied customers. They know what matters the most, a quick sale and maximum profit. Find out what your guaranteed offer would be. There's no obligation. Call 855-299-SOLD or go to MarkSpain.com and get a guaranteed offer on your home today. That's MarkSpain.com and start packing. Conditions like erectile dysfunction are extremely sensitive, incredibly private, and require the focus and expertise of a medical professional. Gimmicks, gadgets, and giveaways might be great for used cars and appliances, but do you really want to trust the most intimate and sensitive parts of your body to a carnival barker? If you're ready to take health seriously and want the best medical advice, as opposed to the cheapest, it's time to talk to the company that started the evolution of men's health, New Male Medical. Your visit to New Male Medical will involve medical tests, an extensive interview and discussion, and finally, a medical provider's custom-created solution addressing your specific personal issue. Avoid the gimmicks and get serious with the leader, the originator, the medical professional solution. New Male Medical. Call New Male today at 704 818 1177 or go to newmail.com that's 704-818-1177 or n-u-m-a-l-e.com get serious and get results newmail.com road ahead more clearly with Sylvania Bulbs and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, purchase select Sylvania Bulbs and get up to a $20 gift card after mail-in rebate, plus two times old rewards points. Replace your bulbs today and see better tonight. Let the professional parts people help you find the bulbs you need. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts or O'ReillyAuto.com Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts
Window Nation is giving you 0% interest for five full years in addition to two windows free with every two you buy with no limit. Cut energy bills, update your home, and save with 60 months zero interest. This offer won't last long. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Hey guys, it's Will Palazzo for PhD Weight Loss. Another three pounds down this week and 40 pounds down altogether. Start your weight loss journey with me by going to buyphdweightloss.com. And when you see him in person, tell him Willie P sent you. This is Kai Jones of the Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. up the 12 o'clock hour Weston Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ you can text us on the garage door guru text line at 704-570-9610 we were just praising LaVisca Chenault 980 number wrote in how about LaVisca showing off his hands with that fingertip catch and then falling but having the smarts to get up and still get the first down when they were in the red zone absolutely that is absolutely one of the plays that allowed Carolina to really put um, Seattle behind the eight ball early also 704 number wrote in Eddie Pinheiro deserves a look him standing in the way saved a kickoff return and prevented a huge momentum swing and that's honestly As I've talked about Carolina not being perfect in that game against Seattle, their kick coverage was not good. Seattle had a couple of really big-time returns that allowed Geno Smith and company to be set up well, but the defense, more often, they were able to to kind of limit the damage, the whole bend but not break, even though it wasn't them really bending. It was the coverage team not doing a good job. You're right. So Eddie P., not only does he deserve credit for every game post the Atlanta meltdown, he's been just fine. So kudos to the kicker for this team after going in shambles again after losing Zane Gonzalez, but also helping out with some coverage on as well on special teams. Let's visit the campus corner and let's discuss the extremely unfortunate news and the sad news today that Mike Leach has passed away after he was hospitalized for a heart condition. And so he is no longer with us after providing what are some of the better offenses we've ever seen in all of college football. Some of your thoughts and things that come to mind about Mike Leach. Well, as I talked about with him being Kentucky's offensive coordinator and recruiting my quarterback, uh, myself as well, and just the innovation of the air raid offense back then when a lot of teams were still very much eye formation, line it up, running up the middle, you know, that type of football. You saw that a lot, but him and how Mummy were just innovators uh, of the sport and everywhere he went, you know, we talked about, as you said, comparing geniuses, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my criteria is do, does your specialty or your unit lead whatever you are in? And during 10 of his 21 seasons, he led the FBS in passing offense. He had six seasons of doing that at Texas Tech and four at Washington State. He went to Washington State, took them to bowl appearances at a school that not many thought of as a football power, even though they put out some good players. But just I want to remember as well his colorful personality. Right. I mean, that's the thing that he's known for. I mean, you talk about his famous quote where many people have said where he got the name, the nickname, the pirate. Well, he had a deep affinity for them, but against 
you know, talking about Texas A&M, saying how come they get to pretend they're soldiers. The thing is, they aren't actually in the military. I ought to have Mike's Pirate School. The freshmen, all they get is a bandana. When you're a senior, you get the sword and skull and crossbones. For homework, we'll work pirate maneuvers and stuff like that. I always appreciate guys who tell it like it is, who give you the real and not the fluff. And that's the thing I love about Mike Leach the best. And then not to mention his off-the-wall quotes as well that would just make you laugh. He was a true personality. Yeah, we have we do have one of those sound bites, one of the quotes from Mike Leach. Here he is discussing the topic of weddings. The women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course, my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. And, but see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And in the end, you'll wish you a lope. Um. I think was that at the was that in a, a media was that a press conference that I think Mike Leach shared that somebody asked about maybe some advice on the, a wedding that he was about to partake in. But there are plenty of different comments from Mike Leach. He talks about his 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 take on coffee, but how it's not good. But you got to deal with the effects of coffee because it's only there to keep you up. And some of the funny stuff that he had to say <laughs> about that. So it was absolutely a fantastic quote. Biddy, I know you're a huge fan of college football. What does Mike Leach mean to you? What do you think of when you think of him? He was the coach of one of the teams that made me fall in love with the sport like I love it today. That 08 Texas Tech Mm -hmm. team with Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree. I asked for a Graham Harrell jersey for Christmas. That's how invested I was in that Red Raider program. I would play with them on on Dynasty mode and just win championship after championship, and I never run the ball because he didn't run the ball. No, he did not. And, And so, you know, one thing we've lost in this new generation of sports and this new era of sports is coaches who are willing to speak their mind. He wasn't one of those guys, and he'll be deeply missed, not just in the college football community, but in the football community as a whole. So when I was given the Drake May Heisman candidacy and I was doing the whole campaign for him right until the last three games of the season happened for the North Carolina QB, I was looking at the Power 5 QBs to ever reach the 5,600 total yard mark in college football history. Bailey Zappi, Colt Brennan, Case Keenum did that a couple of times, so those are some of the names. But then I said Drake May moves to second all-time. If you removed any QB that played in a Mike Leach offense, B.J. Simons at Texas Tech in 03 reached the 5,600-yard mark. It's absolutely ridiculous. In 03, okay, that is 20 years ago as we talk about a pass-happy offense infiltrating not only college football but the NFL maybe within the last decade, probably a little bit shorter than the last decade. B.J. Simons in 03. You mentioned Graham Harrell in 08. I still remember where I was when Michael Crabtree caught the game-winning touchdown pass. It was against Texas in that 1-2 matchup, top-5 matchup. Awesome play. I remember I was at my buddy's house, and we were going nuts watching Michael Crabtree, who would eventually get drafted first round. 
did a few more. Um, to the yeah, did a few. There you go. Of course. But I did a few more <laughs> stats um, as I was digging kind of this up when I was looking at the top QBs total offense. Simon's in 03, Harrell in 08, but it doesn't even come close to stopping there. Anthony Gordon in 2019. Cliff Kingsbury is in a top 30 list. And if you want to kind of go by extension, Kingsbury learned a lot from Mike Leach playing in that offense. You can put that to Pat Mahomes playing in what is also an air raid offense. A couple times he was top 10 in single season yardage or just what he was able to do. Gardner Minshew, Luke Falk at, at Washington State, Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Crazy. All of these QBs that played for Mike Leach are really in like a top 50 list of highest amount of passing yardage in a single season. And then if they had a long enough career under Mike Leach, they're going to be like top 10, top 15 all time. It's crazy what he's able to do with the quarterbacks he coached. Yeah, no, one time Connor Holiday threw the ball 89 times in a game at Oregon where they lost by three touchdowns. You would think if you're throwing the ball 89 times, you you, you have blown somebody out. Mm-hmm. Because of his style, his defenses were never all that great. But, I mean, yeah, the the Mahomes thing, I think, is something we just haven't really thought about. Like, how much, how much credit does his system deserve for Mahomes, who, when he's all said and done, right. he's on the record, he's on pace to break virtually every record imaginable, might be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Absolutely. If you want to go back in the lineage of the offense, of the pedigree that Pat Mahomes will be a part of, Mike Leach will have brought that to Cliff Kingsbury, who brought it to Pat Mahomes, and then Mahomes got to go play for an Andy Reid, who we did also deem an offensive genius, where everybody can agree on that. Awesome to see some of that, but not awesome. Really unfortunate to see the passing of Mike Leach, and kind of unexpectedly, too. Uh, Just for reference, he does pass away at the age of 61, and we'll always remember a lot of those air raid offenses that he was the architect of. We'll continue on on the Wesson Walker Show, talk a little bit more about the Charlotte Hornets coming up next. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.